Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. This message is a part of our series, Breathe, where we are reimagining life at the sustainable and abundant pace that Jesus offers. Isn't God good to us? It's been a long journey. Um, December of 2016, for those of you who don't know, our building burned down and God has been faithful to us along the way. It's been a long, uh, difficult journey, but it's, uh, it's been good, and we've learned a lot along the way, and uh, we've seen God provide in miraculous ways um, through you, and so we're just incredibly grateful. Um, we're um, in a series called Breathe. We started last week. For those of you who weren't here last week, we just started a new series, and uh, the series is about learning how to live life in a different way. Um, how to actually breathe in life uh, as we come into this new year. Most of the time, our new year is filled with uh, disappointment and regret and weariness. And uh, then there's this expectation, this pressure uh, to right the ship, to fix what was broken, to improve what needs to be improved on. And there's this pressure to uh, set new goals and uh, come up with resolutions and uh, and most of us uh, recognize that, um, you know what, we, we've, we've done this before. We've, we've, this is nothing new for us. Every year it seems to be the same thing. And sometimes we're talking about the same stuff year after year after year. The reality is, is if you do the same things over and over and over again, you're going to get the same results over and over and over again. And so we're really looking at what it, lives, what it means to live life differently so that we produce different results. And so this week, today's message is called, Don't Take Charge of Your Life, Be Led by Jesus. Don't take charge of your life, be led by Jesus. One of the common themes that you will hear this year is take charge of your life or take your life back. If you're feeling anxious and depressed and fearful and overwhelmed and discouraged and burned out, then the self-help gurus, the self-help department at chapters will tell you to take charge of your life. If you have felt um, abused or used or taken advantage of, then you need to take your life back. Both of these messages tell us that we have somehow failed as leaders of our lives, that we have somehow failed to make our lives a priority, and we've given priority and place to other things and other people that have no business being in our lives. And if we take charge of our lives, we need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, put ourselves on a prescribed path towards success, and it depends on who you're reading, what that path of success will be, and then run down anyone who stands in your way. Um, Take charge of your life. Take your life back. And that might be motivational. It might be inspirational for some people. Uh, I see the Instagram posts that uh, come out. I see... Uh, some of those things that come out on social media uh, where self-help gurus are trying to motivate the masses, trying to get us to take charge of our lives at a, at a cost. Uh, they, they make good money doing it. And it might be motivational and it might be inspirational, but, but I want to invite us into a different way of doing life, different from the culture around us. I want to invite us not to take charge of our lives, but to be led into the life that we long for by Jesus, to be led by Jesus into the life that we long for. Why do I say that? Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30, and let's read uh, the text this morning. It's gonna be up on the screen. Matthew 25, or sorry, Matthew eleven twenty-five 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus said, 
I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. And so when Jesus talks about little children, he's, talking about, he's not talking about actual kids. He's talking about those who, um, those who are ready to learn, those who know that they don't have it all figured out, those who are asking questions, those who, those who are willing to admit that they don't have all their stuff together in life. These are, these are the little children in the Gospels. Uh, the, the wise, the learned, the learned th- those who have everything all figured out, have an answer for everything, th- those aren't the little children. Uh, the little children are those who are, are ready to learn. And, and then he said, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. This text tells us really that anyone can know God. It doesn't depend on your IQ level, your level of education. It doesn't depend on your age or your income level. Anyone can know God because God is revealed to us by Jesus. And that's good news for us. And then Jesus sends out this invitation, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Isn't that good news? Listen to how Eugene Peterson translates it in the message. He always has a unique spin, and I'm going to read it just because I like it. Uh, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Who wants what Jesus is offering? Who wants what he's offering? I know I do. I want what Jesus is offering. And one of the things that we have to remind ourselves is that Jesus never, ever offers us anything that's not possible. He always offers us something that he actually can deliver on if we would believe him and work with him and follow him. He, he's not offering us something that he can't deliver, us, deliver on for us. Now, sometimes you have these promises that are made through products or through self-help gurus, and you, you, you know, right from the outset, you kind of know that this isn't really going to work. It really isn't going to deliver. But when you, when you hear the voice of Jesus and hear the, read the words of Jesus, I think you, you need to know that Jesus is willing to deliver on what he's offering. So some context to this passage, Jesus has been rejected in three prominent towns, we're told in Matthew, the, 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 the verses previous to this, prior to this one. He's rejected in three prominent towns that had once been enamored with him, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. They'd all been wowed by Jesus. Jesus had come along, and there were crowds that started to follow him, and, and they, were, they were enamored by him, they were wowed by him, but, but now the honeymoon period is over. And then they ultimately reject him as Messiah. Even John the Baptist had questioned whether or not Jesus was the, the Messiah, sent his disciples 
to go and ask, is he the one that we've been looking for or should we be looking for someone else? The shine was starting to wear off for some people. The people in these towns flocked to him for miracles, but they didn't want to change their lives. They, they wanted him for his healing power, but they didn't want to live under his power and submit to his power. They loved his relevant sermons. They just didn't want to become obedient to him. They, they, they liked him for what he was doing, but they didn't want to disrupt and disorder or reorder their lives around him. Their thinking, I think, was, you know, come along and make our lives better. Heal us, cast demons out of us, you know, feed us, do all of this stuff for us. But don't ask us to change what we're doing. So Jesus pronounces some pretty stern woes over them. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Woe to you, Capernaum. And then he turns his attention to those who are ready for a change. We, we could say that they've reached a spiritual crisis in their lives, a crisis uh, to which they've come to, and they realize that they are ready for a change. They want something different. They've been doing things the way that they've always done them, and they've been getting the same result, but they were ready now for something different. They were at a crisis point in their lives. Are you at a crisis point in your life yet? He directs his attention to those who are at this crisis point. Those who have been working hard, but life wasn't working out for them. Those who had done the religious thing. They, they'd gone to church, but they were still empty and burned out. They, they come to the end of their rope. They had run out of options. They were on the, on the verge of just existing rather than living. And so he, he extends this invitation to those who are in the midst of a spiritual crisis. Some of you might be in that crisis today. And I think these words are for you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Take my yoke on you. Come and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble of heart, and I will give you rest. The invitation is to come to Jesus, to take his yoke on, to learn from him. There are three imperatives and a promise in this text. The three imperatives are come to me, take my yoke on you, learn from me, and then the promise is this, I will give you rest for your souls. To those who are just about at the end of themselves, to those who are at the end of their rope, so to speak, to those who are realizing that what they are doing hasn't been working out for them, he's saying don't quit yet. Don't quit yet. I have something different to show you. I have a different way to show you. Let me help you lead a different kind of life, and it will lead to rest for your souls. So let's unpack what this really, what this really means. First of all, everyone's led by something. Everyone is led by something. The, the great, ancient, wise theologian Bob Dylan once wrote, you got to serve somebody. Everyone has got to serve somebody. Everyone serves something. Everyone serves someone. Everything is led. Everyone is led by something or someone. And the crowd in this passage had been led by the Jewish religious leaders. There were rabbis in Jesus' day who would invite students to come and take their yoke on them and learn from them. This, this wasn't, you know, new language. This is language that was part of their culture. 
And, and so a rabbi would invite students to come to his particular school to learn his particular brand of teaching. And so to take a, yap, a rabbi's yoke meant that, that you would come under them and that you would come under their teaching, under their authority, under their teaching, and you would learn from them. And there were two kinds of yokes. A double yoke in which, you know, you would pair two uh, oxen together and you would yoke them together, and a single yoke. And the, the single yoke is the kind of yoke that you would use to manage a heavy burden. You would put it over your neck and you would carry water, kind of like this guy, this Amish guy up here, carrying a heavy burden. And so when a rabbi says, come and take my yoke on you, what he means is come and live under my authority. Come, come and live under my way of teaching. Come and live under my way of being so that you can learn to manage the heavy burdens of life. He, he's saying, come, I've got a particular way. I've got a particular way of helping you understand God's word so that you can figure out how to live life in a way that's sustainable, in a way so that you can live well. And, and the truth of the matter is we're all under some kind of yoke. Every person in this room is under some kind of yoke because we're all trying to manage the burdens, the expectations, and the demands of life. Are we not? Are you? <laughs> we, are, we are all trying to manage. And we're all trying to make some sense of life and we're all trying to find some means of happiness in life and we're all trying to find some sense of peace in our lives. We're all trying to find this deep soul rest. Now, we don't necessarily come under a rabbi's teaching, but we're all trying to manage. And so we all have a yoke. For some, it's the yoke of career. You, you've let your career help you lead your life or lead you toward the life you think you want. And your, your career, you think that if you have a great career, you can find true significance and true security. And so you, you allow your career to lead you toward what you think you want out of life. For some, it's money. If, if, I, if I make enough money, uh, I can be secure and happy. And so you follow the path of money and you let money lead you. For some, it's pleasure. You think that if, if, you, if you pursue pleasure or a, a, a food or experience or sex, that you can find you know, true delight. For some, it's power and control. If, if I have enough power and control, if I can really get control of my life, control of my kids or control of my situation and circumstances, and my, my life is everything, when everything in my life is neat and clean and tidy and in, in control, then, then I can have some sense of peace. For some, it's drugs or alcohol. If, I, if I'm led by drugs or alcohol, then I, then I think that I can find some sense of peace, some measure of life, something maybe, depending on your drug of choice, something to make me feel alive. Being led by something into the life that you long for. For some, it's religion and church involvement. And, and we think that if we, if we work hard enough, if we try hard enough, if we invest enough time and invest enough energy, then we'll become more significant or find some sense of purpose or fulfillment. For some, it's social media or friends, friend groups. An attempt to find some kind of influence, some kind of, to, to fit in, to be accepted. You know, we live under these. And we try to manage the stresses and the burdens and the ex expectations of life so that we can find some sense of peace, some sense of fulfillment, some sense of rest. And all of us are pursuing this relentlessly every day. You carry a yoke every single day. 
day. We're led by something. Everyone is led by something. And the question for us is what's leading us? What's leading you toward the life that you long for? What guides your life? What directs your life? What do you wake up thinking about in the morning? I was having a conversation with someone at one point and, and I asked them to try to get to the bottom of this. What's the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? Other than have your coffee and go to the bathroom, whatever it is you need to do. What, what's the first thing you do? They said, I get up and I check the stock markets. And as we had a conversation, I recognized that money just definitely had a hold on this person's life and their life was just being led by money. It was all about money for them. Perhaps for you, it's your career or business or travel or alcohol or family or friend groups. What is it that helps you to manage the stresses and burdens of your life? Maybe like most people, you've cobbled together a personalized, privatized approach that pulls at a number of these things. Maybe it's not just one thing, but a few things in your life that you've pulled together in order to help you navigate life, in order to help you manage the burdens and stresses of this life. The truth of the matter is we're all living under some kind of yoke and the invitation of Jesus is actually to shed those other yokes that we have around our necks and to come under his yoke and learn from him how we should manage the unique burdens, challenges, and stresses of life so that we don't stumble under them. For some of us, that might be, that might be uh, a piece of news. It might be a newsflash because for most of us, we've really divorced Jesus from the burdens and stresses of life. We've said, I've prayed and invited Jesus into my life. I know now that I'm going to heaven and I'm not really sure how he relates to real life. Jesus is saying to you this morning, I actually want to help you manage the burdens and stresses of life that are crushing you. What does it mean? Dallas Willard describes it this way. It's learning from Jesus how to lead my life as if he would lead my life if he were I. Learning from Jesus how to lead my life as he would lead my life if he were I. This is not uh, what would Jesus do. This really is what, what would Jesus do if he were me in my life, in my situation, in my circumstance. How, how, how would Jesus want me to live in 2020 within my unique culture of Stony Plain, Spruce Grove, Parkland County, in the unique situation that I find myself in? If Jesus were on social media today, what might he post? Might not be what I posted last night. <laughs> if Jesus lived in my neighborhood with my set of neighbors, how might he relate to them? If Jesus were to do my job, how might he do it? If he were to face anger and rejection, how might he deal with it? If he were parent to my kids, how might he parent them? If he were to earn my salary, how might he spend, save, and give? If Jesus faced peer pressure at school, how might he behave in the hallways of my school? Taking Jesus' yoke on means that I'm learning to let him lead me, learning each from him every day, how he would face the unique challenges, how he would face the unique circumstances that I'm facing as a human being here in 2020, allowing Jesus to be the single guiding person in our lives at any given moment. That is the challenge. That's what it means to take his yoke on. It doesn't mean just to pray Invite him into our lives so that we can go to heaven. It means that we actually allow, it would actually allow him to teach us how to live in our unique situation and circumstances. Why is it important? Well, because whatever leads you shapes you. Whatever leads you shapes you. 
people in the story had been led by the other rabbis, and they were weary and tired and burdened. They, they, were, they were just trying to live, but, but the life that they were living wasn't leading them into the life that they were longing for. In fact, it was quite the opposite. Rather than helping them deal with the burdens of life, they were putting a heavier burden on them. It was actually increasing their weariness. Later on, Jesus would chastise these religious leaders and he would say they tie up heavy burdens, the teachers of the law, tie up heavy burdens and, the, and cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. They, their, their lives are being shaped by the teaching of these rabbis, but they were becoming burdened and tired and discouraged and anxious and fearful and ready to give up. Whatever leads you, whatever yoke you've been carrying produces a result in your life. If there's emptiness, if there's loneliness and despair and weariness and anxiety and frustration, it points to the fact that we are carrying another yoke. Jesus does not produce this in our lives. When you look at Jesus in the Gospels, do you see him wringing his hands? Do you see him filled with anxiety? If our career has led us, then there's going to be restlessness, feverish activity, frustration. If social media has led us, we are constantly comparing, we're anxious, we're despairing, we're angry. Someone said to me recently that, you know, if I were to check my, my mailbox, my email box in the morning, what I would find are emails from, um, from uh, various companies trying to get me to, to purchase stuff. You know, it might be a, might be a Hudson's, Hudson's Bay or an Amazon or whatever. My inbox is just full of stuff. They, they are shaping you to be a consumer. Wake up in the morning, check your email, get an invitation to go to a website and purchase something. You are being shaped into a consumer. You're being shaped into a consumer through social media. You're being shaped into a consumer through marketing. You're being shaped into a consumer through media. If you're being led by social media, if you're being led by, uh, by the market, you are being shaped. Your inner life is actually being shaped and it's going to produce a result. I came to a point where I had to pull myself off of Facebook because I realized that my anxiety level was actually going on up when I was on Facebook. And so I pulled myself off for a period of time and I recognized that my anxiety levels actually dropped. Now, I'm not off altogether, but I've had to put some serious controls around Facebook for myself. If another person has led us, then we are going to be disappointed and ultimately left empty. If drugs or alcohol have led us, then we're going to be left wasted and always wanting. If money's led us, we are going to be fearful and anxiety-ridden and greedy. If lust and sex has led us, we, we're going to be relationally disconnected from others and dissatisfied and looking for more. If outward appearance has led us, then we, we're going to look beautiful on the outside and become incredibly hollow or shallow on the inside. If church or religion has led us, we will become incredibly weary and disillusioned. I found that in my own life. When I am too focused on church and allow the demands of others to lead me, I become weary and cynical and disillusioned. Whatever leads you actually shapes your inner life and produces a result in your life that is far heavier than the burden of of the actual burdens of life that you're trying to carry. Jesus says, learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and when you learn from me, you'll find rest for your souls. The promise that Jesus makes 
to us is this. I will, you will find me gentle and humble. I won't be a brutal taskmaster. I won't be relentlessly hounding you. I will be gentle and humble, and you will actually find rest for your souls. Everything else is demanding and relentless. Everything else is a brutal taskmaster. Jesus says, if you come to me and learn from me, you will actually find me gentle and humble of heart. And because of that, you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls means that you'll have rest in the deepest part of your life. Be able to live from a place of deep rest. Rest will reign in your hearts rather than weariness and anxiety and fear and drivenness and discouragement and disillusionment. We will actually experience deep soul rest when we learn to live under the yoke of Jesus. On those mornings when we wake up with our hearts beating out of our chest because there's not enough hours in the day to get everything done, Jesus will show us how to live so that we can live from a place of rest. When we're rejected, Jesus will show us how to live so that our souls can come to a place of rest. When the business fails, Jesus will show us how to live so that our souls can come to a place of rest. When our spouse is unfaithful, if our spouse is unfaithful, Jesus will show us how to live so that we'll come to a place of rest. When our kids rebel or our parents behave badly, following Jesus always leads us into rest. Is anyone there yet? I don't know anyone who is, but I know some good students. And I became a more serious student about nine years ago. Some of you know the story, uh, others don't. About nine years ago, 10 years ago or so, I, I just about burned out in ministry. I, I was at the point of wanting to give up. Um, I ha had come to the end of my rope. I was at a crisis point in my life. And uh, I had been following Jesus for a long time and had been a pastor for you know, 17 or 18 years at that point. But I got to this point of just hitting a wall. And I realized that I had been allowing other things to lead me. Church, success, career, drivenness, people-pleasing. All of those things were leading me, and it was leading me to a place of burnout. I was in a place of spiritual crisis, and a spiritual director said to me, the question that you need to wrestle with on your sabbatical is what kind of life do you need to develop to sustain the call that God has put on it? What, what do you need to do? What kind of habits or practices do you need to put into place in your life so that you can continue to do what God has called you to do in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of the circumstances that you find yourself? What do you need to do to engage Jesus in such a way that your life will be sustain, sustainable? And it was in the midst of that crisis that I started to meditate on Psalm 23. Do you know what Psalm 23 is? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And I started to meditate on that line and God started to speak to me. And God said, uh, Graham, if you are in this place of want, if, you, if I am your shepherd and you're in this, if I, sorry, I'm back up. The Lord spoke to me. If I'm your shepherd, why are you in this place of want? If I'm your shepherd, why are you in this place of want? Clearly, Graham, there are places and spaces in your soul that you have not allowed me to shepherd. And he was right. Well, he's always right, right? <laughs> Never argue with him. He's always right. The, the reason I was anxious, the reason I was weary, the reason that I was stressed out, the reason that I wasn't sleeping, the reason that I wanted to quit was because I had allowed other things to lead me. 
I had taken on other yokes. It wasn't that I wasn't in a relationship with Jesus. It wasn't that I wasn't practicing spiritual disciplines. But there were other yokes that I had taken on and allowed to, to lead me into weariness, to lead me into frustration or into some kind of depression and sleepless nights. Letting him lead me really didn't actually change my circumstance, but it began to change me. And I was able to come back and learn how to pastor in a way that Jesus wanted me to pastor, given who I am with my unique limits and my unique strengths and the unique circumstances that I face. And I want you to know that I'm still learning. There are days that I just get it horribly wrong. But here's what Jesus wants us to understand about taking his yoke on us. Taking his yoke is not the absence of burdens. It's not the absence of trials. It's not the absence of traumas or tribulation. The difference is that, that his way of life, his approach to life actually helps us to manage the burdens, stresses, challenges, and disappointments in a way that lead to deep soul rest. Do you want that? Dallas Willard goes on to clarify that being a follower of Jesus isn't becoming more spiritual. It's actually becoming more practical. I'm learning from Jesus, he writes, how to lead my life, my whole life, my real life. And so the yoke that Jesus offers isn't an escape from life, but actually the ability to handle life. And the primary place of learning that is right in the middle of life, right in the middle of work, right in the middle of marriage, right in the middle of family, right in the middle of friendships and social media and church and school. It's not escaping from all of these things, running away from them, but learning how to manage all of these burdens and stresses and challenges that we face. And as we come under the yoke of Jesus and learn from him, what he offers to do is he offers to help us to learn how to manage all of those unique challenges that we're facing so that our souls can enter into deep soul rest. That's what he offers us. There's a, there's a hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. The, the author of that hymn was a guy by the name of Horatio Spafford. He was a, a business guy in Chicago. And uh, he lost almost everything overnight. He lost his fortune in the great Chicago fire of 1871. He lost a son just before that. But the worst was yet to come. He wanted to get some rest for his wife and, and four daughters. And so in November of, that, of uh, 1873, he decided that he would send them to England. But, or sorry, go to England. But because of some last-minute business developments, he had to stay in Chicago. And so he sent his wife and his kids ahead of him. And unfortunately, the ship that they were sailing on was struck by another ship and sunk in 12 minutes. Several days later, he receives a cable from his wife that read, saved alone. His daughters had been lost. Spafford immediately hopped on a boat to join his wife, and as he sailed across the spot where he thought his daughters had perished, he wrote the words to this hymn, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. In that moment, in that moment, he experienced deep soul rest. Because of his relationship with God, what happened was ugly, what happened was terrible, what happened was awful. He's not saying that, that those things are any better. But he's saying my soul is at rest because of this relationship that I have with Jesus. 
So how do we let Jesus lead us into that? What does it actually look like? What does it actually look like to do that? Well, it begins with a relationship of trust, a relationship of trust in Jesus. I need to, I need to learn to renounce the other yokes that I've come under and come into a relationship with Jesus. The greatest burden that Jesus removes from us is the sin burden, there's no doubt. Jesus went to the cross, he took our sin on himself, our sin, our guilt, our shame, he takes on himself on the cross. And he offers to take that for us. He offers to remove our guilt. He offers to deal with our sin. He offers to, he offers to remove our shame. And so the greatest burden that Jesus removes from us is our sin burden. And if you've never ever taken that step before, if you've never ever stepped into that kind of relationship with Jesus, that would be the first step for you this morning, to have him remove the burden of your sin. But then there are some of you who have done that. You've prayed the sinner's prayer. You've entrusted that to him, but you haven't yet trusted him enough to teach you how to live. You've trusted him with your sin and you've trusted him with eternity, but you haven't yet learned to trust him with your time, with your money, with your sexuality, with your relationships, with your social media account. So we choose to live under other yokes like money and power and sex and drugs and career. Even though we've handed the sin burden over to Jesus, we still are walking around with a yoke, uh, around, with a yoke around our necks, being led by other things, thinking that they're gonna lead us into the life that we really long for. You know, we may want him for his miracles like the people of Bethsaida and Chorazin. We may want him for his miracles. We may want him for all that he can do for us. We may want him for assurance of eternity, but we don't yet want him to teach us how to live. We don't want to reorder our lives around him. I want to suggest to you that we begin by renouncing the yokes that we put ourselves under so that they lose their power over us and commit ourselves to him. And so I'm going to invite you to do that now. I'm going to invite Christina to come on up and if you would just take a moment to play. There, there are a number of yokes that we talked about this morning. The yoke of career, social media and friends, sex, drugs or alcohol, being in control, family, popularity, outward appearances. Some of you may have other yokes that have popped into your mind. I've, been, I've allowed my life to be led by this. I want to invite you just to take a moment to bow your head. We're going to continue to, I'm going to continue to talk for a few minutes yet, but I just want to give you a moment to renounce anything that you've allowed to lead you into the life that you thought you wanted. And it's produced frustration. It's produced a burden. It's produced tiredness, weariness. It might be your career. It might be a relationship. It might be um, money or power or control. Something has led you to the place that you're at today. If you're, in a, if you're not in a spiritual crisis, if you're like, hey, no, I'm good, man. My life is awesome. Um, I think a spiritual crisis will come. Particularly if you're not being led by Christ. But if you are there today, I just invite you to renounce. Jesus, I renounce the yoke of, and I choose your yoke. I choose to come under you, the one who is humble and gentle. I choose to, to want to sit at your feet and learn from you. Just take a moment to do that. that these yokes that we've taken on have led us to burnout, weariness. We 
renounce these yokes, things like career and social media and friends and money and sex and drugs and power, control, popularity. Break the power of these in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We take on your yoke. Because we want to learn from you how to do life. want to learn from Jesus, you need to get into God's Word. One of the ways that we do that is through meditation, uh, to really begin to meditate on the Word of the Lord. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the one who doesn't follow the advice of the wicked, who doesn't stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seats of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. It really is engaging the Word of God so that we can learn. If we're looking to everything else to teach us, we're, we're going to be led by everything else. If we're never ever engaging God's Word, we, we won't be led by Jesus. And, and so for, for me, that looks like meditating on the Word of God. If your phone, the stock market, the news, your job, it's the first thing you wake up to in the morning. It's the worst way to begin your day. If you want to begin your day with Jesus, you open up a text. If you're going to win the day with Jesus, you need to start with him. And, and a lot of you are saying, I don't, even, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to begin. Well, maybe you want to start with the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 to 7. The teaching of Jesus. One verse at a time, two verses at a time meditate on them. Maybe it's a psalm. Psalm 23 is one of my favorites. Sometimes I'll wake up at night with anxiety and I let Psalm 23 roll through my mind. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Sometimes I'll wake up in the morning with a sense of, you know, just this, this sense of, uh, of anxiety again. And oftentimes I'll pray Psalm 23. Sometimes I'll I'll pray through and meditate on Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I meditate on that and I let, I let God lead my mind down those paths. God, how do, we, how do you want me to go into this meeting today? How do you want me to, how do you want me to shepherd this person today? How, how do you want me to uh, deal with this circumstance or situation in my marriage or my family? How do, you, how do you want me to do this, Jesus? I don't know how to do this. I need you to teach me, and so I want you to show me from your word what it looks like to actually uh, live my life as a follower of Jesus in this context. How do you want me to be in my office? How do you want me to be uh, in my community? What do you, what do you want? I let the Word of God just kind of roll through my mind, let it run through my mind, let it run through my emotions, let it run through my circumstances, through challenges and stresses and through work and relationships. How, how, how do you want me to do this? Let the Word of God touch your mind, touch your emotions, let it bring healing and comfort and courage and conviction. And as you listen, as you meditate, as you listen, we know that Jesus will speak. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. 
He wants to speak to you. And I know, I believe that if we are to engage the word of God, Jesus will speak loudly and clearly to us about how he wants us to live. And then thirdly, ask. Jesus, help me to live this out every day. Give me, give me the courage and the strength to live this out. Give me the wisdom to live this out today. How I manage my finances, how I, how I deal with my sexuality, how I, how I deal with my friendships, how I deal with this conflict, how I, how I deal with this uh, crazy person on social media. How do, I deal, how do I deal with this stuff? Jesus, help me. And Jesus will help you. He's gentle and he's humble. He'll help you. And then you act in obedience, you do. You just act in obedience to what Jesus has revealed to you and asked you to do. It's really not complicated. It's putting yourself in a position to learn from Jesus. If you don't put yourself in a position to learn from Jesus, you won't be led by Jesus. You'll be led by every, everything else, everything that you give place to in your life, the, the, uh, the, the podcasts you're listening to, the magazine articles you're reading, the stuff that's coming into your life through email, the stuff that's coming into your life through media, through music, everything is going to lead you down a path. Your career, another person will want to lead you. We need to put ourselves intentionally in a spot where we can learn from Jesus how to do life. He wants to teach us, but we have to want it. All we have to do is want it, go there, and he'll help us. Let's stand and pray. Just give you a moment again, just to reflect on what you've heard this morning. that you are you're the one who carries our sin burden you've taken it you've removed it the guilt and the shame and the pain all that we bear as a result of that we thank you for that we thank you that you've promised us heaven but this morning as we've talked about the reality that you want us to live here in this earth and you want to help us carry the burdens of life here in this world and when you lead us the dashboard signal should read soul rest deep inner rest any other signal on the dashboard anxiety fear drivenness soul weariness frustration are signals to us that we need to come under your yoke Help us to live under your teaching, under your hand, in your power, for your glory. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for coming to church today. Glad that you're here. I pray that what you've heard this morning wouldn't just add to your work, but would lead you toward rest would actually take work off of your plate, would lighten the load for you. And as you practice this, that your 
that you would uh, learn to live, as Eugene Peterson writes, in the unforced rhythms of grace. So go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and live in his peace and rest. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.